Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And like I told our open, our, our opening segment, our, 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 our OGs of Know Your Risk Radio at KTTH in Seattle, if, you, if you're new to the show, we don't really think that we're the most scintillating hour in finance radio. But the reason we can say it is it's a one-horse race. So I just, I just, you know, a lot of these things have developed over the last six years as jokes. And I often remember, wait a second, some of the people, you know, tuning in have never heard you before. And they probably think you're an arrogant jerk. Um, No, I just, like I said, hey, as long as we're the only one, (laughs) right, uh, we're going to claim the title. So anyway, that's, that's how we do things. But uh, got a great show planned for you today. And I want to start with my most exciting part of the show. Got another phenomenal interview lined up for you. It's going to be a roundtable discussion. Uh, And I think it's a fascinating roundtable discussion because our guests, who happen to be Chase Taylor of Pinecone Macro and then Doomberg, um, and you can find him on – it's a pseudonym. He has a pseudonym for for very legitimate reasons. I do know him personally. There is actually a name behind the green chicken. His 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 uh, avatar on Twitter is a, a little green chicken, right? It's like the sky is falling, Doomberg, all that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, I think the real value of having the two of them on, and then to a lesser extent me, and I just say that because you listen to me all the time, and I and I would not consider myself an energy expert. Um, you know, I know more than most, but but I do not know as much about it and have not dug in as deep as much. Uh, into the topic is either of our guests. But the reason I thought it was an intriguing idea to have all three of us on together is that we all approach these things from very, very different levels. Chase is obviously our macro analyst um, and, and pretty exciting news on that front. Actually, we are working on it. It's not yet done, but uh, I think Chase will be joining Bulwark full time in the next 12 months or so. I hope I'm not, hope I'm not blowing the top off for him. But um, we just, again, I'll use that as a microcosm. One of the reasons that he and I have worked so well together is he really approaches things from a technical uh, uh, standpoint, you know, when when analyzing stocks and really the macro side, where I approach it much more from the fundamental side. Um, And it's a really good marriage. And then our other guest, Doomberg, he invests almost exclusively in private markets um, and then has a consultancy firm that consults on these economic issues to their clients. So really the three of us just have this kind of triangulated look at it. Um, and I know that I, I benefit greatly from their knowledge and their work and their research. Um, I would like to think that they benefit from mine a little bit as well. But um, anyway, I think it should be a fascinating discussion. And, and, and like I said, all encompassing. So if you want to know what's really happening in energy markets, if you want to know what's really happening in commodity markets, if you want to know how the politics play, we cover it all. 
And it's a fairly lengthy interview. We'll air about 10 to 15 minutes of it on today's show. And then as always, if you want to hear the remainder of it, it's about an 80 minute interview. Um, so anyway, uh, but it's, it's fantastic. It was one of those interviews where, and I'm not going to lie to you. There's times you do interviews where you're looking at the clock going, holy smokes, this has only been like 15 minutes. It feels like pulling teeth. Uh, this is one where I looked up a couple times and went, whoa, we're only 45 minutes in. I, or we're already 45 minutes in. I got to accelerate things, right? So anyway, that's going to be phenomenal. You're not going to want to miss this, guys. You're not going to hear it on CNBC. Um, all of us have been pounding the table on the energy thing and the commodity thing and the inflation thing for probably a year. Okay, nobody else was. And I'm not saying they're dumb and we're smart. What I'm telling you is that most people you listen to, most pundits and financial media, they're just parroting each other because the worst thing that they can do is be wrong, right? It's like Keynes said, John Maynard Keynes, it is better to fail conventionally than to succeed unconventionally. And what they mean by that is the whole career risk thing, right? If I'm going to be wrong, be wrong the way everybody else is. You know, so when the Jim Cramers of the world were in there saying oil is uninvestable, guys like us were pounding the table saying, no, 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 no. He could not be more wrong. Buy it now. And then, then he waits for oil to go up, you know, three or four X and they, oh, okay, now we can get in there. Um, and again, not a slam on Kramer. I'm using his a microcosm because so many people know him. I don't think he's a bad guy. Okay. I don't want you guys to take it the wrong way. Uh, just so many people know him and it's a, it's a, and he's an easy target. So that's probably not fair, but um, but you get my idea, but what you're hearing, and it should be no surprise to any of us, right? I, I, you guys are probably in a similar position that I, I'm in, which is one of the reasons I have these guys on. And one of the reasons we have a very robust network of colleagues that we all share information with is because we cannot trust what we're getting out of mainstream media. If you look at the energy situation as a whole right now, what you're hearing is nonsense. And I don't really care what side of the aisle it's coming from. If you listen to the you know people more on the right, it's all Biden. He's created this whole mess. He has not made it better. I think he's made a lot of wrong moves, but he did not create this mess. You listen to people on the left. It's the easy, evil oil companies. Price gout could not be further from the truth. Right. And, and like I said, do I have, you know, I was on Todd Herman's podcast this week and Todd and I were talking about leaving our ideology at the door. And he goes, I don't, I'm a very ideological person, Zach. It's impossible for me to do it. And I go, Todd, I am too, but I have to. Why? Because people have trusted us with, you know, nearly half a, or excuse me, now over that, a half a billion dollars. We manage a half a billion dollars of other people's money. I, I don't have the luxury of looking at the world through my ideological lenses. We've got to see it for what it is. And how do we do that? We do that by getting past the, you know, the anecdotal information, getting past the superfluous nonsense, getting past the, the line of the day or the narrative of the day or the point scoring politically and just analyzing the issue for what it is. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest values that I'm trying to deliver in this podcast you know, to, to give you a glimpse of what's really going on and hopefully also giving you a glimpse into so much of what you've heard about investing is nonsense. Meaning that you just got to ride markets up and down and, and, you know, listen to the financial advice. And it's just not true. And I think we've demonstrated on that show, right? You know, being down 6% during COVID when the market's down 36, our value fund is now up seven and a half percent on the year. Market's down seven, right? You don't have to do it that way. 
And it doesn't mean you're taking more risk. It can mean you're, you're taking less. And so that's one. Of, and again, not just to drive stuff to us as clients or, or, you know, I'm not just trying to say that just to get you guys to call us. I, I'm trying to say it to educate. I've said before on the show, there's other firms that I think that do the similar thing that we do and they're good. Right. They're active managers. They're actually risk managers. They're actually delivering a value. People ask guys like, you sound like you're advertising other firms. I'm not, man. I'm just a firm believer that if you do the right thing, if you do business the right way, if you deliver value, the outcome takes care of itself. And if somebody gets signs up with another active manager with a good track record that actually knows what he's doing, then I consider that a win. Right. It's 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 a win. So anyway, let's get into the market update a little bit. Um, one of the most interesting things we saw this week, guys, is I think we have, we talked about interest rates many times on the show and, um, I've, I've explained in great detail and, and I hope I've explained in great enough detail, um, why interest rates matter as far as stock prices. And one of the biggest reasons is, is that when we're grading investments, we have to right? Every, you know, you know, it's common in the investment world for people to go, is this a good investment? And my answer to them is always, well, compared to what, right? Everything is relative in the investment world. Let's say you bought an investment that made three times your money. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, what if over the same period of time, the S and P 500 was up six times, not as good of an investment. So that's kind of my point, right? Of, of looking at these things, uh, uh, through a lens that, that puts them in context. And one of the most incredible things that I've seen in a really long time is looking at this massive rally. Now, it hasn't broken out. It gotten beaten down. The NASDAQ was getting pounded. It was down 20% year to date. But it had a snapback, I think about 12% rally. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest rallies over a short period of time like that, like a week to two weeks, that we've ever seen historically. Um, except for the COVID bounce back. Now, there's a couple things about that. When you see a rally that sharp, that's actually even sharper and more chaotic than the, the decline, I am not saying that the NASDAQ is in a bear market. Um, that is very much a sign of a bear market. Remember, in bear markets, um, uh, characteristics reverse, right? So in a bull market, your most violent moves are to the downside, and then you have the steady grind higher. In bear markets, it's the actual inverse. And that's where a lot of investors get tripped up as they'll see a day where the NASDAQ's up almost 4%. They're like, oh, it's taken off again. And it sucks more people in, and then it drills them, right? So um, now we're not, I'm not saying that that's where it's at. It's not really. Technically speaking, it's bouncing between being down 12% on the year and 20% on the year. Um, but when you see the action in rates, in the last week and a half or so, I think the yield on the 10-year is up like 50 – it's up almost 50 basis points, which is like a 25% pop in rates in like a week and a half. And at the same time, the NASDAQ just went through the roof. Um, that is a very troubling sign to me. It feels – and again, you're, you're still in this middle ground. It's, it's not conclusive. I'm not going to sit here and say that, that NASDAQ's dead. I, it, but guys, w- rates going up. This, you just can't keep doing this, right? I just Fundamentals matter. Math matters. Now, the one thing that we need to think about, and it's something that we talk a little bit about on the interview today, um, is that 
you got to leave wiggle room for this because some of this elevation of U.S. stocks, in spite of all these really bearish fundamental things going on, some of that could very well be, if not the majority of it, could be the inflow of foreign assets. Remember, I, I think as investors, you sit there and go, well, that stock's worth 13. You know, why did it go to 15? Or Look, the price you see on a stock ticker every single day is just the last price that somebody was willing to pay for the stock. Right? It's that simple. It's not, it's not real value. Right? It's perceived value at that individual moment. And um, I think that if that is what's happening, which makes sense, right? Geopolitical tensions are increasing around the world. And when things get dicey, where are you going to put your assets? For better or worse, you're going to put them in the United States. Doomberg says it on the interview later, and it's a line that I've used a lot. But the United States, for better or worse, is still the cleanest, dirty shirt. And I know there are a lot of people that have a problem with that. But again, it's context. Context matters, right? If I own a Yugo that can go 30 miles an hour, that's not a good car. But if the next closest car is a half-broken-down rabbit that can't cross 22, then I got a winner on my hands, right? And that, that's just the way that financial markets work. Um, so, But I will tell you on a fundamental level, it's asinine, right? The fact that the most expensive segment of the market is rallying almost as fast and violently as rates I also think that it could be some of the foreign flows. I also think it's emblematic of just the bubble mentality that we have um, that I think and, – and, and, and it's not that I'm rooting for this. I'm not. I just don't think you're going to see things really start reflecting fundamental value until a lot of people get, get hit hard and get crushed. Um, we, we, the other thing that's incredible to me is, the, is, is really the historic disconnect between individual securities prices, uh, individual uh, um, stock prices, independent, you know, individual company valuations, completely blowing off uh, the impacts of inflation. Okay, and it's a favorite target of mine, but Tesla, you've really watched now. Now, it got hit pretty hard. I think it was down 35 40% or something like that from its high. So, you know, there could be, it could be an element of a relief ba- uh, uh, bounce in here. But... Um, You look at a company like Tesla, you couldn't find a company that is more exposed to the inflationary pressures that are coming out. And especially with some of their biggest inputs, they're the commodities that are being hit the hardest, like copper, like nickel, like cobalt, like oil, right? Tesla has a much larger petroleum input into their their vehicles than a traditional does because they use so much more plastic to try to offset the weight of the drivetrain, right? That electric drivetrain is much heavier than an internal combustion engine drivetrain. Um, and it's just amazing. It's just this attitude, this kind of, you know, devil may care attitude about fundamentals. Just keep buying it no matter what. It's just, it's remarkable to watch a stock rally literally while their input costs have probably risen just as much as their stock price. Um, and then you can see it, right? They're mandating full self-driving or they're not going to get a car delivered to you for the next year. Well, why is that? And why did they bump the price of full self-driving up? Because full self-driving isn't really that. And, and if, you look at, if you look at them, and I don't want to get off on a Tesla uh, uh, rampage here, but um, if you look at them and compare them to the Mercedes-Benz, you know, uh, uh, full self-driving program that just announced, which was really interesting, by, guys, by the way, um, Mercedes-Benz just launched their self-driving uh, uh, program, and it is level three. Tesla is at level two. When we No Tesla bashing, okay? If we're just looking at the stats and we don't listen to all the, the cheerleaders, 
Tesla is literally bottom of the barrel when it comes to automation as far as full self-driving. They are bringing up the rear. They have fallen way behind. And the way you can see that is Mercedes-Benz just launched their program. And you know what they did? They said, okay, we will accept all legal liability for the failures of full self-driving. So if somebody crashes their car on our full self-driving program, we will accept legal liability. The driver is not liable. Think about that. Right. That that is that is them taking the mantle. Tesla's the uh, the opposite. I don't know really, really legally how they're getting away with it, but they're not taking any of the responsibility and they have a less developed full self-driving pro significantly less developed full self-driving program than Mercedes Benz even does. And then you got companies like Waymo and a couple other leaders, I'm forgetting their names, that are even accelerated above Mercedes Benz. So anyway, the 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 this this fever pitch in the market is certainly not over. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, completely laissez-faire attitude toward fundamentals and valuations and things that actually matter is still very much there. Um, and if this is being driven by foreign inflows uh, of, of money seeking asylum, there's really no telling when that will let up. So I would say for those of you out there still wanting to short a lot of this stuff, you know, now's not the time. Um, I just, I wouldn't step in front of it, especially with a lot of the other opportunities out there. That's the other thing you got to look at. I think that there are so many historic opportunities available in energy and inflationary commodities and all these kinds of things. It's just really hard to allocate capital to something like that. It just doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, so I, they, they, you still see in a really big disconnect and this brings us back guys to the bond story. Okay, U.S. government treasuries, as of today, are down about 20% in value over the last five months. 20%. Okay, so so if you bought U.S. government bonds six months ago, they were paying you what? 1.3, 1.4%, 1.5, maybe a little more than that. Maybe it was 1.6, whatever. So you you bought something that's paying you 1.6%. And in five months, you lost 20. Guys, you don't have to be a chartered financial analyst or a mathematician to understand how bad of a bet that is. And it's not just bad because you went down. What's bad is you lost 20% chasing 1.5. And guys, this is a preview. This is just a preview. Go look at the 70s. It shocks me. It shocks me. How many people I still run into that still have these big portions of their portfolio in bonds? Our, our entire client's portfolio, our average client right now on the year, especially after today, is up somewhere between 2 to two, two to 3% on the year, net of fees. Okay, market's down 8. If you have a 60-40 portfolio on the year, you're probably down about you know 8 or 9, somewhere in there. Okay, last year, you made about... 60, 40 portfolio, you probably did about, you know, I think you did about 10 and a half, 11%. Our 60, 40 portfolio was up nearly 16. Guys, it's the slowest moving train wreck of all time. And I'm still watching people saying, well, you still got to stick with bonds. And my answer to them is why? So if interest, so if inflation is transitory and inflation just disappears tomorrow, congratulations, you own a, you, you own a security that's still paying you less than the inflation rate. I don't, I, where's the upside? And like, I've tried to explain on the show so many times, 
investments aren't just bad because they're going to lose you a lot of money. An investment can be bad because it's got no upside. Now, bonds are kind of the worst of both because you can lose 20 or 30%. As a matter of fact, you have. You've done it in the last five months, and then you dropped, you know, somewhere, depending on the bond fund, you were down somewhere between 15 to 25% during COVID. How many times do you have to see it, guys? And then if you're listening to the show, you've been listening to me for six years talking about all this stuff, right? We warned you about Boeing back in 2019, warned you about COVID, told you about the internet. People are like, well, you know, it's nobody knows what's going to happen in markets and nobody knows how to manage. You just got to, well, nobody knows what's going to happen in markets, but we can adjust to changing environments. Active management works if you know what you're doing. And, and, and I, like I said, I, you know, there's just so many easy ways to, to, to risk proof your portfolio, lower your fees, give yourself, give yourself substantially more to the upside. And, 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 you know, our results are proof. It's like we've all just accepted, well, I think the market's going to drop. We had a bunch of clients who were freaked out this year going, I think we should be in more cash. I think the market's going to drop. And I go, guys, I, I, don't, I don't feel like we could be in a better spot. You know, I'm, I'm excited. Why? Because we're active managers and there's phenomenal opportunities out there. And that's why our value fund's up now better than 7% on the year. I'm not sticking my chest out. It's only 7 but the market's down 7 Right? It should be proof, guys, that you don't have to take all this stuff on the chin. If you're paying somebody a management fee, they should be generating you a better return or a better outcome than you could otherwise get on your own. If not, move yourself to Vanguard and pay nothing. I just think that, and we've talked about this a lot, but I just, and I'm not trying to do a sales pitch here. You're just, you're, it's highway robbery. You're just getting jobbed. Most of you, even if you don't think you are, well, I only pay 0.9. No, you don't. You got to look at the internal fees of your funds, man. Every, every client that walks in here, on average, is paying somewhere between 1.4 to 1.9. That, that's average. For an underperforming portfolio, it makes no sense. And meanwhile, right now, it's a portfolio that is perfectly positioned to get absolutely rocked in this environment. You're all loaded up on the most expensive stocks and bonds. Well, guess what gets wrecked in an inflationary market with rising interest rates? And you're seeing it right now. At gold, call your financial advisor tomorrow or on Monday and ask him, wait a second. My stocks are down nine. So are my bonds. I thought bonds went up when stocks go down. And then ask him, well, it's a one-time off. Well, why did it happen in COVID? Why did it happen in 2015? Why did it happen in 2011 with the European debt crisis? Why did it happen in 2008 with the financial crisis? It's because they're wrong. They're just wrong. And if you want to quit being wrong, give us a call, 866-779-RISK, and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bowercapitalmanagement.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Radio. Guys, there's a better way. We can lower your fees, drastically reduce your risk, and massively increase your upside. There's a better way. Give us a call. Got to take a quick break. We're going to be right back, get into energy policy and other announcements that came out regarding energy policy this week. Don't go anywhere. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com.
Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. What does outside-the-box investing really look like? Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and see a side-by-side comparison of your current portfolio versus one Zach would recommend. Schedule your free risk review at knowyourriskradio.com. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, so <clears throat> one of the things that we need to get to on the energy policy discussion, and, and really, guys, you can when we're talking energy policy, you can extrapolate this out to commodities as a whole because I, I really don't think there's a lot of differentiating factors between the two. I think many of them, and again, if you guys really want to know what's going on, listen to the interview because we dive into this aspect of it as well. And again, we're going we're gonna to air about the first 10 to 15 minutes of the interview at the end of the show. Um. Because the same things we're up against in energy, we're up against in the commodity space. And if you want to understand it, again, we've talked about this relationship many times. If you want to understand the problem, I think one of the really easy things to do is to look at the S&P 500. Okay, so now we all know SPY, right? S-P-Y. It's a S&P 500 ETF. Just tracks the S&P 500, right? If the S&P 500 is up one and a half, so is it. If it's down one and a half, so is it, right? Just tracks it. And you look at the different sectors, right? There's 11 different sectors in the S&P 500. Energy is one of them and tech is one of them. Um, Historically speaking, the weighting in the S&P 500 for energy has been around 12, 12 12.5%. It's currently at about three, okay? Tech has historically been like, you know, somewhere between, you know, 15 to 20. Um, You know, technology is a big thing. I mean, it it certainly has a a good solid weighting in the S&P, but right now it's like 40, Okay. Think about that. When you buy an S&P 500 ETF, 40% of your dollars are going into tech. 3% of your dollars are going into energy. This is another reason why we're telling people you need active management. If you are in mutual funds and ETFs, you have virtually none of what is going to protect you from inflation, and you've got everything that's going to get killed. Why is that? Because the S&P reflects the things that have worked the best over the last 10 years. Right, the better they work, the heavier weight they have in the index. Okay, but it can also explain to you what's happening in energy markets in general. Meaning, just like S and P five hundred stocks, or excuse me, just like the the energy companies trading on the S and P get a record little amount of cash when you buy the S and P five hundred, the exact same thing has played out in real life. Meaning. 
you've had no cash or no investment in the energy or commodity space for the last decade. Okay, that is a problem. I don't care what your outlook on energy is. I don't care what your outlook on green energy or pollution is. The bottom line is, as it relates to commodities in general and energy specifically, and really precious metals, right? Copper, which is a huge aspect of of the green energy movement. All of these things have been serially underinvested in. And really underinvested in a way that where there really aren't any comps historically. Right? Um, and and, and it's, just, it's just not going away. So now we're starting to see what policy responses are to this tightness and to these shortages. And this is another thing that we talked about. We said for years that, we, that, that when this inflationary – look, well, you have a government that stimul- – or a central bank that is stimulating an economy via printed money, which is what quantitative easing was and artificially low interest rates was. There, there, be, there comes a point inevitably where it quits working. And what we would expect just being students of human nature is that at the moment it quits working, the vast majority of players – won't quit trying to deploy those same strategies. Why? Because that's the well they have gone to over and over and over again over the last 15 years. Think about it. Every economic problem we have faced since the financial crisis, every one of them, how has it been dealt with? Printed money, more debt, bigger Fed balance sheet, right? Well, now all of a sudden you've reached the constraints of that, which we've said again for years, this party lasts as long as inflation stays subdued. And the minute inflation pops up, it really pulls all of the tools away from the policymakers that have been running things for the last 15 years. And what we said was if it plays out the way we think, it's still going to take them a while to realize that those old tricks don't work. So now here you are sitting in a commodity shortage, an energy crisis that literally is getting more acute by the day. And what does the state of California do? And they're not the only state. There's a couple other, but obviously I'm going to pick on California. What do they do? They announced yesterday – they announced yesterday that, or was day before – I think it was yesterday, day before, one of the two – that they're going to start sending out ATM cards for each adult driver up to the tune of like 400 bucks to help offset the cost of higher fuel. Guys, <laughs> once again, you're just pouring fuel on the fire. Right, What you're doing, the way that markets correct themselves is the price of something goes too high and people buy less of it and then eventually the price falls. But if you're going to keep your thumb on production, which, I mean, go try to start an energy production deal in California. Good luck. I'd rather have a frontal lobotomy. Um, But if you're going to keep your thumb on production and you're going to subsidize demand, which is what they're doing, You're just going to make the problem worse. I mean, it's just basic economics. And what you're doing is you're pushing. There's a point in commodities, especially with oil, where we talk about demand destruction, meaning the price of oil will get high enough to where people will quit quit buying it as much. Right? They'll change their behaviors. Maybe they'll start carpooling. Maybe they will have a staycation. Right? People will change behaviors to cost. And when you reach that breaking point, it's called demand destruction. Well, when you start subsidizing demand... All you're doing is pushing that level of demand destruction even higher. That's all you're doing. 
they're doing it in Europe as well. There's places in Latin America that are doing this. Guys, I think we've reached the point now where we just have to take the medicine. We've been fighting it for the last 15 years coming out of the financial crisis, and now we're up against it. That We can't print our way out of this problem. It ain't going to happen. Now, I will say this. On the bright side, on the energy debate, I thought that the uh, press conference that Biden had yesterday with people in the EU or, or with his counterpart in the EU, um, on a policy level, I thought it was somewhat encouraging. Right? They're starting to refer to nat gas as if it's a solution. And remember when this all started, I thought, I, I remember saying this to, to, to you guys and saying it on the show multiple times, was that my optimism in this whole situation comes from the fact that I hope that this energy crisis gets us to take a sane and rational look at the whole energy issue and the green energy issue, right? And, and, and what it should do is it should push nuclear first and that gas to the front of the queue. I'm not willing to, I'm, we're, I'm very far from waving the flag and saying, all right, victory has been achieved and these people have got sanity, but it's showing me that there's hope, that there's hope. It also shows me that Biden and his, and his folks and his administration are starting to at least get their hands around it. This is a hope. It's a glimmer of hope. Now, all that being said, guys, there are no quick fixes. I think oil and that gas are quicker fixes. But when you look at the commodity issue, you know, for instance, if you go out and find a new gold mine or a silver mine or a copper mine, and let's say it's great, right? Let's say it's an epic find. It's got phenomenal grades, right? It's got a good jurisdiction. All the things are going for it. You're, you're still prop, you know, you're still somewhere between eight to 12 years out before you're going to realize any, any production out of that facility. So. Are there things that can be done in the interim? Yeah, but bottom line is we've got a backfill, essentially a missing 12 years where we were criminally underinvested in this stuff. And that's kind of why we think we're going into a commodity super cycle. You know, I'm not saying oil is going to go to 300 and stay there. I don't think that'll happen. But for people that just think this is an inflationary blip, I just, I just don't see it, guys. But what we want to keep an eye on really is energy policy because until energy policy, until we've got some real proof that we've got some adults in the room and that they're making sense and they're doing things, you have to stay really long this stuff because it's, it's just a foregone conclusion. It's just going to keep going higher and higher and higher and higher because none of the issues are being addressed and the issues that are being addressed are all coming from the demand side. They're going to keep subsidizing demand while not increasing production. And oh, by the way, travel is about ready to ramp going into the summer. <sighs> It's going to be interesting. But like I said, there is some hope. There is some hope. It sounds like Biden is changing his tune a little bit on that gas. And that's good news for everybody, including the world. So anyway, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I'm going to do a little personal section. I'll I'll tell you why. Um, But stick with us through the break. As always, guys, if you've been listening, you understand what's happening in rates. You've been hearing us warning you about this for a year. And yet your whole financial advisor is going, nobody can predict what's going to go on. It's not prediction. It's paying attention. And guys, I, th- I think that that approach is going to make the difference between having good results over the next five to 10 years and having potentially disastrous results. And if you think I'm being hyper- hyperbolic, just go back and look at what happened to stocks and bonds in general during the 70s. 
How many of you can afford to have a, na- a, a decade where your portfolio is down 30 to 40% over a 12 or 13 year period of time? That's what happened in the 70s, guys. You've listened to our calls. You've heard us warn you about energy. There's a better way to do it. Get rid of the bonds, lower your costs, drastically reduce your fees. Get into portfolios like our value portfolio that I run that's up 7% on the year. Market's down. Just because the market's down doesn't mean you have to be. Market was down in COVID. Our average client was down 6%. Market was 65 Market was down 36 There's a better way. And we can do it with lower fees and lower risk. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bowercapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Stick with us through the break. I'll be right back for a short personal segment, and then we'll get into the interview with Doomberg and Chase Taylor of Pinecone Macro. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio. Download Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Dory Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right. So the the... This is a conversation I've ever actually never had on the podcast, but uh, I've been on several different episodes with Todd Herman recently, and we got into kind of my background and a little bit of my personal story. And let me, let me first tell you why I haven't had this conversation on our show. <clears throat> uh, well, before I say that, uh, in response to the Todd Herman show, a lot of our listeners and clients that, that, that heard the episode uh, you know, ask me, Zach, why haven't you ever talked about this? I didn't know that story. Um, and it's kind of my origin story. And I, and I feel, I feel, um, uh, somewhat responsible and somewhat indebted to tell the story. Um, partially because I spoke about it on the air with Todd, but, um, also just to, 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 to be a little more human, um, and, and hopefully give some people a little more hope, um, out there that might be struggling a little bit, but, um, <clears throat> the reason I've never had this discussion is, is my faith is a very important part of my life and my family's life, but it's something that I'm very careful with because I never want it to be used as a way to build confidence, right? Uh, I never want it to be used as a form of advertisement. I also do not want people to think that my faith will assist in their investment outcomes. Um, I think my faith helps me make more rational decisions and stay grounded. Um, but as I joked with Todd, 
on his podcast, God doesn't give stock tips. And the reason I know that is because I've asked multiple times. Um, But anyway, it also came up because I had a prospective investor look at my legal background with the SEC. And and, uh, this is going to be a weird thing to hear a guy like me talking about, right? Um, And had some questions and some reservations. Because on my record with the SEC, as you'll see that I've been licensed for about, I think it's 15 years now. Man, that seems crazy. Um, and we went through some really tough times financially coming out of the financial crisis and we'd purchased another home, uh, and, and used our starter home as a rental. And, um, I took a new job at a firm in LA that went bankrupt. And, uh, shortly after I joined, they, they lost a lawsuit. It it was really unfortunate. Great people. They didn't really do anything wrong. They inherited some liability from another firm that did do something wrong. And uh, long story short, it wasn't their fault, but we were in a tough way financially and we actually ended up foreclosing uh, on our rental property, had to give it back. It, it was a very pride swallowing, um, you know, moment uh, as a dad, as a husband, as a businessman. Um, and, and on top of that, there were other difficulties. We had a, we almost lost our other house, um, went through some tough times and, uh, had some delinquent student loan payments. All of this was happening probably around 2010, 2011. The stuff is dated on my record as 2014, but that's just because of when it got resolved. But um, we self-reported that on my license. We weren't obligated to, but we self-reported it. Um, I kind of thought I was obligated to. It turns out I wasn't. But um, I self-reported it, but it's not something I run from. Um because we all go through tough times. And, 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 uh, one of the things that people have asked me is like, well, I don't know if I could try. And I go, look, this wasn't a failure of character. <laughs> this was a, a guy in the financial industry starting off in, in, you know, the worst financial market since the great depression. Um, but I, I just, I wanted to allude to that because I think so often in life we hear somebody on the radio or we see somebody with a firm and God's been kind enough, um, uh, to really bless the growth of our firm. So many of you listeners have been kind enough to bless the growth of our firm. But I think people look at you in a position and they think that you're a done deal, that you've you know, always been a successful manager of other people's money and that you've got your stuff together and they don't. And that's not further from the truth. I spent the first 10 years of my career getting my teeth kicked in, um, losing one house, almost losing another, you know, getting ready to sit there and watch my children and my wife have to leave the only home that they'd ever known. Well, my wife, you know, knew others, but, um, and I will say this, that what all of those things did for me was it, it put me to a point where I got humbled and, you know, I turned my life over to my higher power at that point in a way that I had never done before. And I found a light out. I found my purpose And, you know, for any of you out there that are struggling, nobody is a complete product and where you're at today doesn't mean you're going to be there in five years, right? You, 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 and if you have faith, it's like, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And nobody, including me is a finished deal. And if you want to see the proof of it, go look at my SEC registration. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. And I, you know, if we meet personally, I can give you even more uh, personal details. But, um, you know, nobody's a finished product. And if you're struggling out there, just hang on and keep fighting through it because there is light at the end of the tunnel. And 
if you feel so inclined, I would strongly suggest hitting your knees and getting acquainted with, with you know, who I call God or, or, you know, maybe for you it's another higher power. But it really comes, for me, that, that redemption came when I quit focusing on me and started focusing on the value that I could bring to other people, not just in business, but also personally. It was a huge transition in my life, and I cannot strongly suggest it to any, any, any of you anymore. Just, it's amazing what happens when we start focusing on loving and taking care of the people around us and quit worrying about ourselves, right? And magic happens, right? And, and in my opinion, that's where God happens. So anyway, I don't want to preach. The fact that, that, that my faith is very important in my life does not guarantee better investment results. I wish it did. But I do think it, it guarantees um, a higher level of wisdom and thoughtfulness, hopefully, that goes into it, but certainly a, a purpose-driven approach. And I hear people say all the time, you're passionate. I, I am passionate, but I'm purpose-driven. And I wasn't always. And another book, I, I I'll tell you this, guys. I, got, I was lucky enough to play 18 holes of golf with Michael Phelps uh, at the Waste Management a few weeks back. Great guy. Uh, and he and I were walking down the 10th fairway and I asked him, I go, Hey, can I ask you a little bit of a personal question? He goes, yeah. And I go, um, you got really into, to purpose driven life by Rick Warren. Right. And he goes, Oh man, that book changed my life. And I said, you know, I, I appreciate you talking about it so publicly because when you were going through your issues, I was going through mine. That's where I was getting sifted, right? I was getting vetted. I was getting humbled and I had already made, kind of turned my shit back around at that point. Um, but I dove into that book based off of his recommendation and it's a game changer. Find your purpose, find your purpose, love other people, take care of people and let the outcomes fall where they may. So anyway, just wanted to include that really quick. Um, and as always guys, you can give us a call 866-779-RISK, but this really isn't a promotional part of it. I'd never really told any of that personal story and I probably won't again. Um, but I thank you all for listening. And, and again, if you're out there struggling and you feel like a bum, I've been there. I think most people have, especially people that achieve cool things, right? There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Don't give up. Keep digging. And I would strongly suggest hitting your knees and finding help in a higher power because that's what I needed. And uh, just because you're not there yet doesn't mean you won't get there. So anyway, God bless you all. Uh, have a wonderful weekend. We're going to cut here. I went a little long. We're probably only going to be able to air about four or five minutes of that interview. But again, go to knowyourriskradio.com or just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. You can hear the end of the interview, guys. I think it's a seminal one. I think it's one you should send friends and family. People need to understand what's going on in energy because it's not getting reported uh, in the mainstream media. Shocker. Anyway, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the radio. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe and stick with us through the break. We'll be right back with the beginning of the interview. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH.
The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.